Hello, welcome back to Do The Franchise. I'm Jake. And I'm James. We are back and we are on our penultimate Potter film. Been waiting to say that for a while. Penultimate Potter film. Excellent. Yeah. And How do you feel? I feel good. What was this one called again, Jake? Uh, this was Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 1, James. Excellent, because my first note is the Dursley Shallows Part 1, so... It's good to know. <laughs> oh, it's a good yeah. title there. <laughs> uh, this film came out, I think it's 2000 and... I'm going to have to double check this. I think it was 2010. And the second half, which we're going to be watching, was 2011. I think they were a year apart-ish. Okay. They might not even have been that much. I think they were about nine months apart. I don't think it was in a full year. Um, directed by David Yates, again, who directed the last three... No, the last two installments, and then this one and the last one. Um, and IMDb, James, gave this quite a remarkable 7.7 out of 10. Um, yeah, yeah, that's... Rotten Tomatoes gave it a 77% average score. That's, again, I, I think they're pretty generous. <laughs> the majority of this film, and, and we'll probably get onto it later, but the majority of this film is, is yeah. a, a camping trip. And I guess if oh, this yeah, was like yeah. an advert for Eurocamp, I would probably give yeah. it a similar score. Uh, I it do you know what it's it's not a bad film and I will not I'm going to go on record here and say it's not a bad film it's just it's that bit that we were talking about the other Harry Potter films where this is literally the 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 setup of the film Hmm. and it was a whole film of setup until the last scene and then it ended yeah do you not feel like, do you know what I mean with that? Like, because you can tell it's like the, the first half of one whole story because it has no climax, really. It just kind of goes from one to another to another to another to another. Dobby's dead. <laughs> Spoilers, by the way. Uh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I think they've got used to us by now that we, we're not we're not holding back anything on these podcasts. No, Fuck it. No, this is, you, you definitely should be used to, to spoilers by now. Um, yeah, I, I liked it. I wouldn't go like 7.7 out of 10 maybe maybe Mm. better than the last one okay what are you giving it i'm giving it a six oh okay that's that's good mainly because having not read the books yeah this film drops a lot on you that you weren't aware of because they suddenly realized they hadn't done it in any of the other films yeah, and it, it drops it on you. Like, I think we talked about this a lot because me and James actually watched this one together, didn't yeah. we? And then we were talking throughout the film that they do a lot of that where they sort of drop things on you that they kind of go, you should know this. And and for you as a person that hasn't read the books, you don't know this. No. So they, they drop people on you that's completely out of left field. Uh, we're going to go straight into it, really. I mean, opening shot of the movie is the Minister of Magic played by Bill Nighy. This is the character Rufus Scrimger giving his little um, pep talk to, I guess he's kind of giving like a reassurance talk um, to the Wizarding World that everything's going to be fine, we'll cope with Voldemort and 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 it's going to be well. And he kind of like gives you this mighty war speech, you know, similar to that film Darkest Hour with Gary Oldman. Yeah, it's also a lot like moving the deck chairs on the Titanic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like yeah, yeah, everything's it is, gone it? wrong. But don't worry. Well, Scrimger was in the other films and books, well, in the other books, sorry, but he was never featured in the film until now. And it kind of, it's that thing where you should have set him up in the last one, but because they didn't think he was an important character, they forgot to do that. Um, 
Death Eaters, James. There's there's Yaxley played by uh, Peter Mullen, who's a fantastic Scottish actor. I adore Peter Mullen. He is in the scene at the dinner table with the baddies. I like to call it the sort of James Bond bad guy scene that they have at the beginning with Voldemort at the head of the yeah. table. And a lot of these bad guys, Yaxley being one of them, they have been set up, but they haven't been in the films. So they've realised they're all going to have a moment in the film. They've got to put them all in. Similarly, when we got to um, Harry's, um, uh, the Dursleys, and we meet a few like characters like Bill Weasley, um, who we should have met ages ago, and we don't. We meet him in the house, and it's like, oh, I'm Bill Weasley. I'm important to this film, i.e. I'm in this film now. Yeah. Um, and he, he was introduced like in book two, I think, in the Harry Potter franchise. Right, right, yeah, because he just sort of arrives and goes, check out my scarf. Yeah, it's odd, it's odd, isn't it? And do you remember the, the I like to call him the Cockney Dell Boy Wizard. Um, the I think he's called what was he called? Um, I should have it in my notes here. Was it um, Root Mundungus Fletcher? Yeah, Mundungus Fletcher. He's the sort of Cockney villain character who steals the locket, and he is again featured in two of the last books. And he was in the Order of the Phoenix. Never seen him before. Right. So he's completely dropped on us in this film, and they completely drop him in and go. We need him in this film because he's going to nick the locket and that's going to be significant. Do you know yeah. what I mean? There's a lot of that where they've kind of dropped the ball in the last two movies and now they've got to go, shit, we have to get that in now, quickly. Right, right, okay. It, it, it does make sense. And then at the same time, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> when you're watching the film and you're seeing all these characters yeah. and you think, who's that? Why are they doing that? And then um, like <laughs> the, uh, Harry's family that hate him, uh, he evicts them. <laughs> yes, he does. He literally they, he takes over their house. They have to leave. Uh, Hermione, I think, wipes her mum and dad's memory. Um, yeah, and and she goes off because she, you know, in case they get tortured for information. And then they all have to like move. And there's a big thing in that scene where they're in the house where um, Harry they they have to invent seven Harrys, don't they? They have to apologise potion seven Harry yeah. Potters. And again, if you're saying this for someone that hasn't read the books or watched the films, they're not going to have a fucking clue what I'm talking about. They drink a potion that makes them turn into Potter so that they can have seven of them. And then if they have seven of them, they can get away and they'll only get a few of them, I guess. Yeah, it just seems like... Some of them will die. (laughs) It it just seems like they they probably... It would have been a better strategy to have one (laughs) Harry and lots of people protecting one Harry. <laughs> yeah, other than seven Harrys and lack of protection. Yeah. <laughs> Leaving with Hagrid, the one person who, let's be honest, doesn't do that lot uh, as much fighting as the other characters that say. No, I mean, I think Harry survives that whole experience despite Hagrid rather than being. <laughs> he really does, doesn't he? Because Hagrid's unconscious for most of the motorbike ride, yeah. isn't he? Um, I've put as well in my notes, um, they, they're taking him to Ron's house. That's a secure location that they're taking him to. No one guessed that. Yeah. <laughs> no bad guy, including Draco, guessed that he was going to... And, and Snape, I'm going to... He's going to go to Ron's house, isn't he? Fucking obviously yeah. he's going to go to Ron's house. He goes to Ron's house every summer. I just... There's so much nonsensical stuff. Like, before they set off even, Hagrid turns to Harry and said, Oh, I remember bringing you to this house, meaning the, the Dursleys. Oh, yeah, that that's payoff, that, and isn't it? It is payoff, but at the same time, it's like... That wasn't ever a happy thing for Harry. Why would you want to remind no. him of that? I remember you dropping off at this house where you were essentially tortured. <laughs> Your mum and dad were killed. I remember bringing you here. And you were brought up for 11 years thinking that you were just a neglected, malnourished, only child that has parents, what was it, uncle, auntie and uncle that basically just 
hate yeah, you. You lived under the staircase. And, and Harry, oh, even Harry has a moment in the staircase, seemingly fondly yeah. remembering it. It's like, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> and also, if you think about it, Hagrid was caught of the enabler of that torture, wasn't yeah. he? Because he ended up just leaving him on the fucking doorstep. Why didn't you go and live with Hagrid? <laughs> Would have been much nicer. Would have been much nicer. He's got Fang. He's already at Hogwarts. Doesn't have to worry about going anywhere. Um, apparently the house, the, the Dursley house, because it's, um, do you know that thing that they allude to about the fact that Voldemort can't kill Harry because Harry's protected by his mum's love? Yeah. Do you remember yeah. that? That is a thing that extends to Harry's mum's sister, i.e. Harry's auntie, which means whilst he's under Harry's auntie's can care, as you can loosely say, yeah. care, he's safe. That's why he's safe in the house. That's why the house he's in, until he becomes 17, is a safe place to live. Once he becomes of age, that protection wears off, apparently. Oh, okay. It's a bit like working tax credit or, um, you know, benefits when you've got multiple children, I think. Something so like that. When they get to a certain age, that's just gone. gone. No more. Um, mm. So, yeah, they, they go on a, a broom dog fight to try and yep. get away from the house that he's currently safe in. To go and yep. be in a house that he won't be safe in. Um, <laughs> yeah, that motorbike can fly, but it still ends up going under the Dartford Tunnel at rush hour. But then there's a, there's a bit that I wasn't quite sure about because I can't remember rightly if Hedwig actually escaped from her cage. But Hedwig suddenly saves the day, but doesn't. Yeah. But doesn't really because the fact that Hedwig wanted to save Harry points it out as the real Harry. Yeah, that's what happens in the book as well. Uh, yeah, so he- Hedwig goes to attack the Death Eaters that are attacking Harry. Death Eater kills Hedwig, and then he backs off because they know that's him. Right. Yes, yeah, that's how. So she, she yeah, because they ask him in that. Do you remember when they're in the burrow? Yeah. Uh, one of the one of the main characters says to Harry, uh, "How did what gave you away?" And he goes, "Oh, Hedwig." She was trying to protect yeah. me. And you're like. Oh God! The one thing that bird did—it lived for Harry, and it fucks the whole plan up. Poor little I'm thing. Sure, I'm sure no the bird was in a cage Hedwig. at some point. And why? How did he get oh. out of the cage? I didn't understand. But you know, uh, we, we're back in the swamp again after that. Mm. Yeah, Voldemort arrives to kill Harry, but Harry's one inexplicably defends him itself. By fighting Voldemort off, do you remember? Yeah. And then the the wand that Voldemort steals from Dra- uh, Malfoy's dad gets broken, and then Voldemort screams in anger because he hasn't killed him again. He's got away. Plot armor suits Harry, and it, yeah, it uh, it comes out. Yeah, they end up in the swamp. Uh, Lupin then grabs Harry and shoves him into a wall, uh, which I enjoyed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he says to Harry, "What creature sat in my office the first time you visited Hogwarts?" I went back and watched Prisoner of Azkaban again. There's no creature in the corner of his office. That's bollocks. I think this must have been from the book because it is in the movie. This thing he mentions to Harry in the yeah. film isn't in the film. That never happened. I, I've I've put down that Lupin asks a question that even some Potter fans must not know. Yeah, like, I agree. It's quite that's quite a difficult question. It's very specific. That was a isn't number it? of years ago, and Harry's been yeah. through a lot since. Yeah, yeah, Quad was a death yeah. game. Um, Lupin interrogates other people like Kingsley. Uh, they ask each other if they're spies, and then in, and then straight away after that, he seems to just give up. Yeah, <laughs> and he doesn't ask anybody else. Three people, if those three people aren't spies, the other people can't be spies. You're, you're all good. Yeah, I found that a bit odd. And then an interesting bit, and I'm going to drop a little fact in here as we're going through because we're going to have to get through this. There's a, a lot of heft in this yeah. film. Um, Donald Gleeson, who plays Bill Weasley, 
Um, Donal breaks the news to the team that um, Mad-Eye Moody died. He was killed by Voldemort whilst trying to get Harry. And um, Mundungus, who was with Mad-Eye, disappeared and disappeared. And it's funny because Donal Gleeson is announcing the death of his dad. His, his it, that, Like, oh, yeah. Brendan Gleeson plays Mad-Eye and Mad-Eye Moody, Brendan Gleeson, is Donal's dad. And I like they have a scene together. And I thought, oh, I forgot yeah. about that. That's great. Oh, that's cool. So, yeah, he... And, and Donal gets to say that his dad's character's dead, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, um, then we have some... Pretty cool. <laughs> like, pretty cool. <laughs> um, flashbacks in Within Dreams. I said that's yeah. odd. Um, Harry sees... I th- is it Voldemort torturing, I think, the Wandmaker, isn't it? Um, um, played by John Hurt. Yeah. And then he wakes up and... There's a wedding. There's a wedding. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Harry tries to leave on his own initially, doesn't he? He says, I'm off to do this on my own. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which is odd because he's not done anything on his own this entire franchise. Yeah, no, I agree Uh, with that. So (laughs) it's quite brave of him and foolhardy, but, you know, he wants to go on his own. It's a pretty... It's a pretty shit time to plan a wedding. Yeah. I think they do allude to that in the scenes as well, yeah. don't they? But, it's like, should we do this? Should we um, not get married? And I guess the, mm, the thing is, well, we might not be around tomorrow, so let's get married. Yeah, I'm already scratched so by a werewolf. You know, could be any time yeah. now. It's a bit like that story about when the troops went and played football on Christmas Day. You know what I mean? And straight after that, they had to go back in the trenches and start fighting each other again. It's like that little kind of breather. Um and literally, yeah, they have like a, I think there's a scene with Bill Nye, which is the only scene we get with Scrimger, which is when he gives um, plot devices to the children uh, that were left for them in Dumbledore's will. Yeah. Um, they're a bit shit, James. I don't know. The one that he gives Ron, uh, where he says, you know, it's for time, when times are most dark. And I'm thinking, like yeah. this whole film, this whole film's dark. Also, can Dumbledore predict the future? <laughs> because he does make a few calls with those things, doesn't he? And they do happen in yeah, the film. I, I, so how good is he? I think Dumbledore's read the books. Like Dumbledore knows yeah, more about Harry Potter I than I do, and I think he's or he's got one of them. He's got one of those fucking things that Hermione's got that you spin around and it takes you back and forward in time. He's done that. That's what he's. He's gone to the. He's like Doctor Strange. He's seen the End Game. He knows exactly what's going to happen. Clever bloke that Dumbledore. Um, Bill Nye is a great scene. I I love that. I like him in it. I think he's great. Yeah. Um, we then get to see Evanna Lynch, who I think is probably my favourite child actor in the whole thing. I don't know about yours. Um, she plays Luna. I think she, she's just brilliant. I love every scene she's I, in. Her the quirkiness of her, the way she delivers her lines, the way she, like, she says something like "I've been bitten by a garden gnome," yeah. and it's just really funny. Like she just she just brings the tenderness to the whole film. I just can't. I love it. I wish she was the main character. Yeah, I, like. Lines where she says, oh, Harry doesn't want to speak to us anymore, but he's too polite to say so. Almost yeah, like, it's brilliant. we need to hurry this plot along. Come on, Dad, we're off. Was, yeah, yeah, and you get great. to see her dad, um, played by Risa fans, who becomes significant later. Um, wedding then goes to shit, baddies show up everywhere, and then the trio disapparate, and they go to central London, because that's safe. <laughs> yeah, best best place to go, really. And uh, I mean, they could, they could have gone to like the middle of Syria, they could have gone to the middle of a volcano, but yeah, I guess central London's pretty safe. Yeah. And like, <laughs> we don't see a lot of Hogwarts in this film, because... There's no Hogwarts, I is there in this film, I, I don't I, think? I can't remember if... No, I don't think there is, but... What is normally like their get out of jail free card is going to the library. To le- yeah, they don't need to do that anymore because Hermione has put the library in her giant bag. <laughs> <laughs> so every book yeah. that they need is in Hermione's bag. So and, and this is where we get introduced to her giant bag. 
Yeah, um, they have a, they get attacked in the in the cafe straight after this, and it's kind of like showing that they're not safe and they have to keep moving all the time, which is pretty much the whole film, isn't it? Yeah. Let's be honest. Um, and then Ron delivers a line. He says, um, "Harry, you're the boss, and Hermione, you're the best with spells." And me and you just couldn't help but laugh. <laughs> I remember because we're like, and Ron does fuck all yeah, as usual. Ron, Ron just <laughs> takes a backseat. I think Ron is the audience. <laughs> Everything's just happening to Ron. Yeah, and and he's not in charge of his own destiny. And I, I do feel sorry for him in some ways. But one of one of our listeners, good friend of mine and yours from work, Amy Gunn, who I'll give a lovely shout out to on this podcast because she's a good listener and I appreciate all her support. Amy gave me some, uh, she gave me a bit of information about Ron. She says that um, you're wrong. He did do some magic. Oh, did we and miss I asked it? When? Yeah, we did. Um, do you know the bit where the thing's coming out of the wardrobe in the third film, the Bogart? Yes. And the spider comes out of the wardrobe and Ron puts roller skates on it. That's true. And that is magic. So I have to concede that Ron has done one spell in this series so far, and it was putting roller skates on a spider. Shall, shall we <laughs> then revise our estimate of Ron and say Ron has done no useful magic? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll amend our previous yeah. statement to that. Um, they then go to Grimmauld Place, and they get attacked by a ghost of Dumbledore, which isn't Dumbledore, Um and then Hermione says a spell into the room, which I didn't ever, I didn't mention to you before, but this is actually something that's, that's set up in the novels. If you say this spell into the room, if somebody's in there, a voice comes back at you from yourself. Ah, it's a bit like a, it's like a radar thing. Do you know, like a radar wand yeah. spell. Yeah, it's like when I used to play Splinter Cell, and I'd put the little camera yeah. under, yeah, under yeah. the door. Yeah, it's that. That's right. So she does that, and then she says, "We're alone." But they're not, James, because there's an elf in there. Yeah, that, <laughs> does it not work for, for elves? I mean, elves are, are later, it is know. confirmed that elves seem to top everybody for magic because, yeah. you know, Dobby can just they, they, go anywhere he wants. Do what he wants. Yeah, yeah it, he did, I guess it's that thing in it that me and you've spoken about, which is it's like the elves def, they defy the plot, which means like that thing you said, Be it's like, how did that work? Well, it's magic. Yeah. <sighs> Um, um, John John hurts then being tortured about information regarding wands because Voldemort wants to kill Harry, but he says use another wand, and then he regrets saying it and says I thought a wand would work. I'm sorry, and and then he says there must be another way, and then Harry wakes up again, and we get like a constant bleed of kind of flashbacky dream sequences, and this is I think Harry's um, connected to Voldemort, isn't yeah. he? So we're seeing little bits of Voldemort's what he's up to creeping into Harry's consciousness, which I kind of like. I think they work it, it well. It works well. It sort of, it, it lets you know what the other side is doing as we're very focused yeah. on the three kids. Yeah. And why why did they... They're a bit too quick. Yeah. It, it's difficult for me to keep up because I'm not aware from the books what's going on. So it's tricky. It was tricky for me to keep up. I, mm. I was also quite hung up about the fact that they didn't find bedrooms in this house. They all slept in the living room. <laughs> yeah there's like six bedrooms seven bedrooms in this yeah. terrace uh, I love it um, R.A.B they then find the bedroom belonging to Regulus Black who was Sirius's little brother and again I think if we don't read the book we don't know who he is anyway but he was basically a death eater who stole the locket and defected against Voldemort oh, okay. he then gave the locket to Creature and I believe and again I'm going to be going back in my childhood a little bit I believe that Creature is taken with Regulus to the cave. Do you know the cave that Dumbledore and Harry go oh, to? Okay. 
And Regulus makes Creature drink the potion, which is why he's so miserable and, and, and sad all the time. Oh, so he would have started off like Dobby. But yeah. he's become and then, and then they get the, Dobby. They get the locket. Yeah, they, he, Creature has to drink this horrible potion. He gets the locket and then Regulus puts the fake one in and fills it back up and then they bugger off. But when they get back to the house... Um, re- no, no, they're in the cave, sorry. And Regulus says we need to destroy it as quickly as we can. And as they're trying to destroy it, the zombies come out of the water and kill Regulus. Ah, Do you remember? Right. That's how that's how he died. He dies in that cave. And then Creature gets out of the cave by doing elf magic or whatever. They just you know, vanishes. Yeah. And he takes the he takes the locket back and stashes it in the house, and that's how it all comes about. And right. then he gets stolen by Delboy, and Delboy uh, gives it to Professor Umbridge. So it's a lot, isn't it? I think it's like a lot of unnecessary eh, strands to get. They, yeah, they. I get. I guess it's. I guess it works. I guess it's. It's not at all necessary to the plot until you bring no. until you bring creature into and you mention he's been responsible for stuff. Like yeah, it, I I would have been quite happy if Regulus had just given it to the other guy. Yeah, I like, agree. It's you a, almost don't need creature except for the fact that he's in the book. Yeah, and I think that they wanted. I think that again, you'll find this with all last of the franchise sort of series is that they try to do a lot of fan service in those, don't they? Like I think creature is purely fan service. Yeah. Um, they then have Polyjuice Potion again, and I think it's getting a little bit tired, if I'm honest, as a plot device. It, it started to feel a bit like the masks did in Mission Impossible 2, where like yeah, everyone was wearing a mask. No one's who they said they were. Yeah. Um, so what's the point? It, it already got really confusing, because Dobby and Creature talk about themselves in the third person. So when Dobby's <laughs> describing what Creature did from yeah. Dobby's perspective in the third person, I was already lost. I I, yeah, I, I I'd just given up at that point. I was like, no, just tell me, move on to the next bit. Which the next bit is like the Mission Impossible scene. There, they're they're going, they're breaking into the Ministry, aren't they? In the next bit. Yes. Oh, before that, I did miss. We've got two bits that I've missed, which is Matt Lewis's cameo telling the uh, Death Eaters to sod off on the train. I like that. That yeah. was good. It also it does a really nice job of showing Neville's character arc because he's always been the weak underdog and. I'm not going to spoil it for you, but he becomes a very big character in the next oh, okay. one. Okay, okay, because and and he almost he almost becomes the hero. If the and and I like it, you know, what I mean, like I like that they do that little bit where it's like Neville's getting more confident and he starts stands up for himself on the train, and I love that. And it, I don't yeah. think it's even in the book, but it really worked for me. That beat, I thought it was really good. Uh, that, Ron can't cool. play piano. I'm going to go straight over that. Yeah, that, Ron's got no hope. Ron can't do magic. Ron can't play piano. No. Um, we then get the uh, we then get the bit with um, the three adult actors pretending to play uh, Emma Watson, Dan Radcliffe, and Rupert, and they're really good, aren't they? They're they're really that cool. Bit, I, I loved it, but it kept reminding me of the Harry Bow adverts with the adults with kid voices. <laughs> I really like this one because it it's like got that. a heart in it. It was like that all over again. I was like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I never thought about that. Oh, that's ruined that film for me. Um, <laughs> I like the little fried egg ones. Yeah, I yeah, I totally agree with that. That is mad. Uh, so yeah, the, oh. the um, they have to trust Ron with some magic at this point as well, don't they? Because he's a, but we don't see it. No, right, no, he gets told to go and do some magic. We never see it, um, and uh, Umbridge gets in the lift. We see. Yes, they, they worry about finding her, then she finds but them. But she's too short for those lift handles that have previously kept the others from falling over. 
You know, there's those handles <laughs> that they hold on to. Oh, yeah, yeah, on the top yeah. of the... Yeah. And she's too short. <laughs> Why is she not like a mess on the floor? <laughs> does anybody... Does anyone use them? In, they do use them in this yeah, one, Yeah, they hold they? them. Did they yeah, use them? The, the yeah, the little leather yeah, straps. She yeah. can't. She's like me. I'd never be able to reach them. I, I'd just <laughs> oh. be a mess on the floor. And I'm... How do you go on on the tube if you're in London? I, I, I hope it's packed and that the just sheer volume of bodies will support me. <laughs> just squash <laughs> you against the wall. <laughs> That's amazing that that image is now in my head. <laughs> oh dear. Um, we, um, we see um, the wizards are scared yeah. of horns for some reason. Yeah. Like loud the, noises this, scare wizards. There's loads of people that are doing, is it pure blood propaganda? Um, and it's a bit like Nazi occupied France. I think we made a reference to that, yeah. didn't we? That like they're all working for the bad guys, but none of them really want to, but they're not doing anything about it because everyone's living in sort of fear. And Voldemort's put that huge. A monument with all the muggles being squashed underneath it, which I, I like. I think that's yeah, cool. Well, cool. Uh, <laughs> it's, again, not cool. A, a good visual effect, I think. And I, I saw that at the studio tour. That's that's there. You get was, to see. Was it impressive? Yeah, it's quite well. Yeah, it's it's a big thing with people being crushed. So maybe impressive isn't the word, but yeah, it's big. Yeah, it's, big. it's there. I, I like. I didn't know that was all practical. So the fact that you told me that's quite interesting. I'm, I'm going to probably have to go down there and see it for myself at some yeah. point. Um, one day we'll probably do a Harry Potter revisited once I've been and seen that. Maybe I don't know. Yeah. But um, the kids then get into the the uh, they go to a um, they go to the court, don't they? And we see like wizards being dragged away, people being escorted, and people being interrogated. There's a magic um, cat. That's the bit that caught my attention. Yeah, she's got that magic cat on the desk. It's her. It's her Patronus, isn't it? Her her thing stopping the Dementors. Ah, Do you remember? Okay, so that it's one of those. Ah, right. So it's her version of the garden ornament. The garden ornament. Yeah, yeah it's the same thing. Um, they grab the Horcrux, stun Umbridge, and run out. And it's like a proper nice little action yeah. beat. Um, they get followed by Dementors, and Harry Expecto Patronus them away. And that's a bit of payoff again to the. To, I think like a little homage to the last ones. Um, they then get chased through the ministry. It takes a long time for anyone to spot Harry, doesn't it? It does. Like the, the Mary woman that they're with isn't at all worried that the man that she loves has a child's voice. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you'd recognise your own spouse's voice, wouldn't you? Surely. You'd hope. And oh. then, yeah, like you say, there's I do there's like a chase. this. I like this scene. It is good. There's a chase yeah. scene. I put. Uh, there's a chase scene happens that I where I understand nothing that's going on because there's so many cuts <laughs> and they they they. <laughs> Apparate away, disapparate. They, yeah, they they go through the fireplace, but they apparate out of the ministry. And as they do, um, Peter Mullen actually grabs Ron or Hermione, and then he gets entangled with them. And then he flies out, and they go somewhere else. Yeah. And I think it's because they're going to go back to the the old house, but they've seen the house now. So if they know that they're there, they're never going to be able to go back. So they can't go back to the comfy house, and they end up in the woods, which they are in the woods for a long time. They, they are, and you know. Hermione's magic bag of requirement comes into uh, into play because she's got all the medical things that'll help Ron, mm. which is yeah. great. Um, There's a nice shot of Emma Watson with her hands and her wand in her hand and she's got all blood all over her arms. And I thought that was quite an evocative little image for essentially what is a kid's film. And I keep saying this about these films. They Obviously, they have, they have grown up with their audience, as did yeah. the books. But I did think the moment where you see Emma holding like a wand in her, in her little suit, which is her little outfit she stole from yeah. woman. And she's got blood all over her. And I just thought, yeah, that's it shows how um, how grown up the films have come since we watched the first oh, one. Oh, definitely. There's, there's a big change. We're, we're about halfway in, ever so roughly, or mm. at least 
a third of the way in. And it's only at this point, a third of the way into the penultimate film, where Ron starts asking questions about Dumbledore's plan. <laughs> like yeah. Ron starts going, yeah. did you reckon he actually knows what he's doing? Was this... Yeah, because they can't, they can't destroy the locket, even though they think they can, yeah. and, and Dumbledore didn't tell them how to do it, and that's why Creature couldn't do it, because he said he couldn't do it as well, didn't he? And that, that then it, it starts another problem, which I kind of like. I think that helps the film. I think it, it gives this film a sense of jeopardy that it was otherwise lacking, because... Yes, you can find the things. That's great. We're finding all the things. And loads of films have had that plot device where it's about going and finding the things and bringing them back. I mean, the new Avengers film does that as yeah. well. Um, Lord of the Rings, to an extent, is a similar kind of yeah. thing. There's always something they've got to get. Um, you know, loads of films. And and in this, they've got, to, they've got them, but they can't destroy them, so they're stuck with them. And I think that's even more frustrating. And then the locket starts turning Ron evil, a bit like Lord of the Rings, isn't it? Yeah, it's... Yeah, it it's... Very Lord of the Rings. Like, he's... Mm. Even to the point where they, they... Rather than just being, like, knocked off about stuff, they become, like, pale people. They, they, they're, they're yeah. like, drug abusers all of a sudden. Um, yeah, and they're on the road and they're all Yeah, haggard. and the... <laughs> he's this pale-skinned, drug-abuse-looking <laughs> character that lives in the tent in the woods. <laughs> like... <laughs> if, if other people just happened across them, they probably wouldn't think anything yeah. of it. Um, They'd probably just think it was Ed Sheeran busking with his mates. <laughs> and then, uh, like, Harry is somehow still impressed that Hermione's magic works because she 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 yeah. hides them. She puts a a Wakanda style spell around the tent. Yeah, yeah. and um, um, it, Harry seems ridiculously impressed that that works. Um, yeah, because they've got that gang of snatchers after them, haven't they? Um, and then we get the scene, Harry and Ron have a big bust up about, um, uh, they need to find this sword now. Uh, Hermione's remembered something in a book or something. And there's the, the sword of Gryffindor, which is the, the sword we saw in Chamber of Secrets. Um, yeah. Dumbledore did want Harry to have that, but the ministry wouldn't give it him and said it was missing. Do you remember? And then they said, oh, yeah. that's why he left it to you in his will. He left it to you so he could destroy the locket with it. And it makes sense. I think Hermione, again, doing that thing that if she wasn't in the films or in the books, they would well and truly have been buggered, wouldn't they? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it's. I think it was at this point where she sort of explains that she's not very good with people. <laughs> and she's sort of, she's <laughs> yeah. like that, that whole yeah. Sherlock Holmes thing of being a highly functional sociopath. Hermione is yeah. sort of expressing that. And, uh, and then Ron just gets annoyed that his best mates are getting on. Um, yeah, he does. And then he gets all jealous and he goes and then they're on their own for yeah. a bit. Harry and Hermione um, go tenting without wrong. They go tenting. Uh, it's a Richard Wood coined phrase, yeah. I believe. Um, Hermione then notices the symbol of the Deathly Hallows, the triangle circle line drawn in the book of children's uh, stories that Dumbledore left her. And they go to Godric's Hollow because they think that there might be something there. Uh, and again, I th the plot does slow down oh, a lot. Yeah. It, it does lose its pace really quickly. I like that scene. I think it's really sombre. I think it's good. He sees his parents' grave. It's Christmas. It's it's a different kind of Christmas to what we've had in the previous films yeah. where they were all very upbeat and silly and they were going to the pub yeah. and stuff. And it's like now um, we're well and truly in a, in a really sad, dark place. I love the way she says that. One. Harry, I think it's Christmas Eve. And like, or any other day before Christmas. It, it could be any other yeah. day, but she's gone with Christmas Eve because it's more emotive. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, then we see a lady who is a writer. The writer lady is dead, and she's turned into a snake. Yeah, <laughs> I, like, uh, and 
I think we we discussed this uh, when we were watching the film. I was really hoping yeah. this was the same snake that Harry set free in the first film. <laughs> yeah, no, you I, were. I wanted I wanted I some closure for that snake, but I'm reliably yeah. informed it's a different snake. It is, and she is very uh, close to Voldemort. She's like his second in command, even though she's a reptile, which I find really and odd. And Harry throws a um, brick at her. Harry throws a brick at a snake. That's another good episode <laughs> title. <laughs> um, they then go to the woods, and they uh, Harry's attacked. They they leave without anything. I think what does happen, Harry breaks his wand in half, doesn't he? Or yeah. Um, and it's it, basically it's going, we went there to try and do something good, more bad things have happened and now we're back in the woods and we've got nothing and we haven't got anything we've got no wand, no wand. Uh, we've got no no ron we're none the wiser and then the christmas reindeer appears yeah. and it leads harry to the lake in which in the bottom is a sword the sword of gryffindor but we don't know who's put it there no and i again got a little bit confused because when <clears> the <throat> christmas decoration first arrived to get rid of the Dementors. Mm-hmm. Sorry, brain. Brain. Went, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's the same thing. They they can send messages to people. Yeah. Like, do you remember at the beginning? Yeah, they send messages and they can use them for. It's their like spirit animal in a in a in an ethereal light. That form, that makes sense basically. to me. But then in this film, it's used completely <clears throat> differently to that film. That film, mm. it was Harry's Patronus thing that got rid of the Dementors. Mm. It was just time travel. Yes. And Harry was all confused because yeah. initially thought, oh, it's my dad. My dad came to help me. In yeah. this one. Is it his dad that came to help him? Or is it his Patronus? No, no it isn't. It's a, it's, a, it's a doe, not a stag, so it's a female. Ah, yeah. okay. And we will find out, James, who did it by the end of the story. Amazing. Looking forward to that. Cause... Um, but I don't want to tell you because it ruins a big point of the movie, which is quite yeah. nice. Um, we then see... Um, I think we have... yeah. Ron comes back, they find the sword, they destroy the sexy Horcrux, which I think is a little bit um, provocative with um, Harry and Hermione snogging. Yeah, yeah, that seems to really rile Ron. A very odd... It really does, doesn't it? It's a really odd moment. So they destroy the Horcrux and they're one down, or three down now, aren't they? So they've got three to to go. Um, They then seek out Risa Fanza's character, Lovegood, because they want to know about the symbol that's in Hermione's book. Uh, Hermione sees it on a gravestone, and I think she also sees it etched into the book... um, where Grindelwald was, wasn't he? Grindelwald, yeah. the picture of the young man and the young man who has the wand. This then is the moment where the story between Voldemort and Harry converges a little bit yeah. because um, they find out about this wand that Voldemort is after, basically. Yeah. And Voldemort finds out that a young boy stole the wand and has run off with it. And this was like years and years ago. Um, and I liked, I think they work well. It's a cool um, little story time moment as well. You know, Hermione's going on and on yeah. about, you know, these these wizards that <clears throat> cheated death and you get this whole Final Destination style thing where death's actually catching up with them. <laughs> um, I, I, it, I think the fairy tale bit's really yeah. good. I, I like the animation. It, it, I think that's a really nice little moment. It is really cool. I mean, it, it's, it's more like deep and meaningful than the reasoning we're given for why Ron came back because... Ron tells yeah. Harry and Hermione that his lighter, <laughs> when he was sat in a pub, his lighter told him to go and see him. <laughs> this just goes back to the addict thing that you mentioned. Yeah, I, I'm, I, He's, I think Ron's on meth. <laughs> Ron's struggling in this film. He is, definitely. He really, um, is. He really is. And uh, the, the oh. whole love good bit is actually interesting because I, again, because we watched the film together, I was able to ask Jake stuff, but mm. this was like... Uh, 
In other films, we have a really creepy teacher in the Defense Against the Dark Arts. Obviously, we don't have that in this film, but we have Lovegood instead, no. who's also a bit creepy and uh, yeah. does actually betray them like the other Defense Against the Dark Arts teachers seem to do. Yeah, he does, and he sells them out because they've got Luna, and they steal Luna because they know that Harry might go and visit him because he's one of their like Harry Potter supporter people. Um, so it works, and then obviously they get attacked, and they get away again, but not before uh, Nick Moran shows up with his gang of snatchers. Um, Nick Moran's a great actor. He was in uh, Lock, Stock, Two Smoking Barrels, and he plays uh, Scabior, I think his name yeah. is. Uh, the guy with the cool trousers, I've just put in my notes. Yeah, and I, I wrote, <laughs> Woods, Noises, Wands, Excitement. <laughs> in the moment where Harry gets knocked out, um, Harry has the vision of Voldemort and he sees Voldemort finding Grindelwald in his prison and uh, he tells him, he asks him where this wand yeah. is that he's been after the whole film and uh, Grindelwald says it lies in the tomb with Dumbledore and hey-ho, now hey, uh, Voldemort's yes. off again. Uh, I think in the book he does kill Grindelwald. I think actually, if I remember right, and again, Brendan and people listening can correct me on this, I think that he goes to Grindelwald and says, where is this wand? I know you've yeah. got it. And he says, I, I did have it, but I lost mm. it. And he goes, who has it now? And he says, I'll never tell you. Oh, okay. And Dumbledore, uh, sorry, then uh, Voldemort kills Grindelwald. Anyway. Right. And then find, I don't know how he finds out. Presumably he just finds out at the end where it is. But I think he just presumes when he finds out that you know Grindelwald was defeated by Voldemort. Sorry, Grindelwald was defeated by Dumbledore years before the Harry Potter films take place. Okay. Uh, and we'll, we'll talk about this again before the next episode. This is like a story within a story. And this story that Rowling's written is now being done in the prequels. And there's ones that are coming out now. Yes, I thought I recognised the name. Is this the character that's then yeah. played by Johnny Depp? Spoilers. It, yeah. it is, yeah. So it's it's him. It's another character, a dark wizard that is from the past, sort of from the 1910s, 1920s. Okay. Um, and he pre predates Tom Riddle and all of this. Um, the gang are then captured, taken to Malfoy Manor. And this is kind of the, really the first real peril that they're in for the for the most of the film. Like real peril where they're actually in, they're going to get caught and they're going to get killed. Well, I mean, up until this point, the, the real peril has been where do they go to loo at, the loo at night because they're camping. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, at this point they get um, threatened by Bellatrix, don't they? They do, yeah. yeah. She's, She's great, great, isn't she? Isn't Helen the Bellatrix? She's me and you both gave each other a little grin, didn't we? When she came on screen at yeah. the end, she probably has about seven lines in that whole bit of the film. Helena Bonham, but she she's fantastic, isn't she? I just love her so much. I think she's absolutely well, brilliant. She, Can't be overstated how good she is. She in was those my favourite bit in the last film, in the bit that isn't in the book. Yeah. where she's running through the field, I, and yeah, where well, she's kicking all the glasses off yeah. the table. I like that bit as yeah, well. Yeah. It seems like all her best bits <clears throat> probably aren't in the books, <laughs> and are just done in the films. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think I think I always found her as a character in the book quite entertaining yeah. i liked that character i remember being quite oh that's an interesting character and again it's that thing where you're like she's a strong female character yes but she's pure she's pure evil she's just evil as all the way to the core as evil as voldemort is and she's sort of Voldemort's right hand uh, right yeah. woman um yeah they tried to say to they say to draco this is this him because yeah. if it's not him and we summon voldemort it's going to kill us all and then inexplicably, even though there's like Ron and Hermione in the corner, Draco goes, I can't yeah. be sure. I'm not sure if this is the person <laughs> I've hated for the last eight films or whatever. Yeah, and, I, and Draco does know it's yeah. Harry. Um, let's make that clear. And to you and me, because I know we haven't really spoke about this film until tonight, he does know it's okay. Harry. 
he's very reluctant to give Harry up. And this is the start of Draco's um, decline, as it were, to to the good side, to, to, to redemption, I guess. Okay. I think we knew in the last one he was told to kill Dumbledore. He didn't. He, he didn't seem he's, happy about his know, place in this gang. He's not happy. I think he's having proper second thoughts, as is his father, the, the wonderful Jason Isaacs, who's uh, who's brought back for this one as well. Uh, Timothy Spall is in it again. There's just so many actors. By the time we get to the end of this, I think me and you should go through. I'm just going to get a list of all the thespians that are in this yeah. movie or in these these franchises and just read them all off a list because it's absolutely fantastic, yeah. isn't it? It's it's mind boggling how many people is, are in it this movie. It is literally a who's who of like. British acting. Of British actors. And, uh, yeah. Um, Timothy Spall puts them in their prison. He's Wormtail, isn't he? And then he gets defeated and then they get out with Dobby. And, oh, yeah. Uh, it all goes a bit crazy. Dobby arrives. <laughs> and and they, they're all shocked that Dobby can apparate into this prison cell that they can't get out of. Mm. And Dobby goes, well, yeah, yeah. I'm an elf. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, Do- yeah, Dobby has no master. And uh, he, yeah. he, his only intention was to maim people. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And then I like the little bit before that where Dobby is on the roof. He's on the chandelier. Yeah. And they're all like fighting. And then I think Harry like steals the wands off Draco and off um, Malfoy's mum. And then they, they all look up at the same time and the chandelier, he's just hanging up the <laughs> chandelier. And then it just comes to the ground. I thought it was great. It's, uh, it's a good scene. Um, and uh, they, uh, they then all escape they think yeah uh, but Be- bellatrix Apart has other ideas she does yeah she throws a dagger at them and just as they disapparate in what is actually a wonderful shot i think it, re- it works really well you see the dagger disappear into the little portal thing, yes. don't you uh and then uh cut to the sand beach sandy yep. beach and uh everyone's safe uh including luna and the wand maker and the goblin i think they take everybody yes. don't they and uh, but uh, the person that saved them, Dobby, is he, he's yeah, been, uh, he he's been stabbed. And I I put that he can no longer be a quick fix for anything anymore. And oh no, it's so and he sad. can't be fixed by a quick fix any either. So the the bag has nothing for them. They've used up all the no. stuff in the magic bag. Bag can't help. I thought I genuinely, and I know this is obviously going to be sound ridiculous. I think it's one of Radcliffe's best moments in the whole franchise because. He says, "I, I want to bury him without using magic." When he's when he's crying on the beach with all the sand in his yeah. hair, and he's got the little Dobby mannequin thing in his hand, yeah, and he says, "Come on, help me!" I like, I love it. That, I think that it, bit is it good. Genuinely, yeah. it genuinely emotes that sense of helplessness. That you know, like you said before, he doesn't really have that very often. No. Really, he's always got a. Backup. He's always got an answer. <laughs> well, and, always, and here, there's no something's going to come and and help. And here, he's literally got nothing to do. He just has to watch this little thing uh, yeah, die. And, and I think it's really yeah. powerful. I think it really. And then works. when Dobby is dead, he says he wants to bury him. But he doesn't want to use magic, yeah, yeah, yeah. and they just go to the top of a sand dune and dig the <laughs> shallowest grave possible because they're not using magic and they've not got much time. So it's the shallowest oh. grave possible. They stick Dobby in it, and then we never hear about Dobby again. Do you decompose in sand? I, I don't know how sand works. I don't. I've never heard of like. Do people? Did they used to bury people in sand? How deep do you need to be? And that is that is a. A Muggle beach, I assume. That is a beach where regular people... Oh, yeah, 100%. So that sand is going to get blown away and someone's going to happen across an elf corpse. (laughs) Imagine that your child is just digging his sandcastle in August and this beautiful beach in South Wales, wherever the hell it is, and all of a sudden you just go... 
Mum, yeah. <laughs> I think I found. Mom. I think I found a small person in a Hessian sack. <laughs> Imagine them taking it, taking it in, and then going. It must be some form of early human. <laughs> early human, but definitely a free elf. We should put that on. Definitely a free. Oh yeah, on, yeah, yeah, on, yeah, on like a little headstone. We should put free elf there. I I went to see this at the cinema, James, when it came out years back, you know, years ago, and I remember that I don't think I've ever seen so many people, fully grown adults yeah. as well, crying over a dead puppet. Oh. Other than I can think of E.T. Yeah, because yeah. well, like, <laughs> that does get you. Yeah, um, like it, it's just it, a mannequin, it is an emotional moment, and like you know, yeah. Dobby's gone now, which I, I I'm yeah. sad about, I guess. Uh, then. We get a scene where um, Voldemort goes to see Dumbledore, who's dead. Um, yeah. And oh yeah, I like that scene. I think that scene's that's probably one of my favourite bits at the end, the last scene. Like Do that. you like the film Highlander? <laughs> see, I haven't seen it for a long time, but I know what you're getting at. Because it, it's it's very Highlander that there can be only one, and you know he's got his wand now. He's got the magic wand. Uh, the most yeah, powerful he one. He literally decimates Dumbledore's tomb to get it as well, which is kind of scary. Yeah. It's sick. It just seems like yeah. when, and I mentioned this before, and you did explain it really well. I like this, so we'll bring it up now. The fact that Dumbledore has had that wand all the time, and Dumbledore has mm. previously fought Voldemort, it yes. seems like Dumbledore could have saved everybody a lot of trouble. If that is the most powerful yeah. wand in the world. Dumbledore had it. He could have, you know, done his thing. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm waving a fictitious wand at Jake over FaceTime. He could have done his thing. I can't. See, oh, sorry, I can't see you. We've lost connection. It says poor connection. Oh, oh well, I can see you. <laughs> but I've got this little blurry image of your head, which is really quite oh, pleasant. Excellent. It's probably the best way to see me. Um, so yeah, <laughs> I, uh, I can see you clearly. So this is, this is good. Oh, amazing. Uh, I've been picking my yeah. nose. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so that's how the film ends, isn't it? We get that it does, uh, yeah. that final shot of Voldemort, mm. you know, uh, having a, a lightning party. Um, he does. He steals the wand of destiny, as it's kind of referred to in the books, and that is it. It's the end, and you can only assume that Harry's in for some trouble. Uh, yeah, in part I mean, two, he's not. You know, they're not in a great <laughs> place. They've still got a few of these Horcrux things to go after. Um, yeah, I think three left. They've they've had a description of what sounded like the philosopher's stone being important as well. I, I, I am I am I misreading that? Like the three things that made up the Deathly Hallows. It seemed like the philosopher's oh. stone was mentioned. Yeah, it's 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 a different stone. Ah, okay. Because that would have been really uh, easy because re- he already has that, right? Yeah, the the resurrection stone. Yeah, it's um, it's hidden. No one knows where it is. No one's seen it for a while. Okay. Um, I will. I'm gonna drop something on you now, which again, it's just a little teaser for the okay. next one. Um, there are three Deathly Hallows. One is the wand, which we now know Voldemort possesses. Mm-hmm. Um, one is an invisibility cloak. Shock horror! I bet you've seen that before. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and this third one is this um, um little jewel, this little um stone that could bring back people from the dead. We have seen it before, James. Oh, okay. And I won't tell you any more than that, but it has been featured in at least two scenes in this movie where it pops up in the last two movies. Oh, okay, okay. It's right in front of us the whole time and we don't ever realise it. So I really like that and that ties up quite nicely. Okay, I look forward to that. Yeah. Um, We're going to go straight into our facts because I know we're running out of time to get today. 
first fact I had actually mm-hmm. um, was something me and you discovered together. The voice of Dobby is the amazing actor, British thespian, and all round brilliant bloke, Toby Jones, which I've never realised. No. Toby Jones plays Dobby and has done since Chamber of Secrets. Oh, well, it, it's nice to know that, isn't it? And it, like you say, we only yeah. found that out because we were watching going, who who is that voice? And it, it's not yeah. a recognisable performance as Toby Jones, but he, no. I imagine he's not had much call in his other work to be an elf. And I don't, yeah, I don't think Toby Jones was anywhere near as popular then when this came out as he is now. I think his career was post-Potter, really, his big yeah. career. So it's interesting, that, isn't it? That is interesting, because that means someone watched this film going, uh, I went, you know who we need for our role? That guy that played the elf (laughs) in Harry Potter. (laughs) Uh, Fact number two I've got is um, Jason Isaacs, again, who I can't say uh, more about, and I'll try not to to do too much of that in this podcast. Uh, Jason Isaacs wanted desperately to be out of Azkaban and back in the movies. And I think at one of the press releases for the previous movie... I don't know which movie it was. I think it might have been either The Order of the Phoenix or The, uh, the Half of the Prince. Either way, she hadn't released the last book yet. Oh, okay. So the book was still in the writing process, or it was in the final stages. And and apparently, this is the story I've read, Isaac's got on his knees in front of Rowling and says, please, whatever you do, get me out and bring oh, me back. Oh, bless him. And she whispered in his ear at this press junket, you're out, chapter one. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> And I that love that because he's such a big... He loves the character so much and he's enjoyed playing him so much and he's always said that in his interviews. And I love that about Jason Isaacs. He's just such a humble person. And again, he gets to be the sort of broken Malfoy in this one. He's not quite where he was and he's a little bit dishevelled and a bit ashamed, isn't he? Yeah. And he gets his wand taken off him and gets sort of emasculated, which I kind of like. Yeah, it's like... Um, oh, it, it's it's definitely a really different character, isn't it, to how he's been mm, before? Yeah, totally. So, yeah. Um yeah, uh, fact number four? Is that number four number three? Yeah, three. No, number three. Um, the poster on the wall of the cafe can be seen over the shoulder of, I think, Hermione uh, during the cafe sequence is a poster for the Daniel Radcliffe play, Equus, in oh. which uh, he was uh, full frontal nude in that play. And it was a big deal at the time and it was in all the papers, yeah. remember? Um, the, the poster for that play is displayed in the cafe and if you just see it in the corner you can just catch it which I thought was really cool really, really side cool. note the film of that it stars Richard Burton it's brilliant yeah. is it really? I didn't really know that. good film um, a bit creepy but hmm. really good um, yeah so definitely worth definitely worth a watch it's one of uh, well I've been told we should review that play as well um, that Radcliffe was in. So I don't know how we're going to do that, but we could definitely. Well, go. I mean, if you want, I've got I've got the film. We could watch the film. Yeah, so. yeah. I'm up and for just that. imagine it's Daniel Radcliffe. <laughs> yeah. Was that what? How many facts? That, that was that was, that was, was three. That was three. Okay, I've got number yeah. four here. Um, the seven Harry sequence in the film, in which um, Daniel Radcliffe is there seven times. Uh, was so complicated to film that Radcliffe once counted 90 takes for one single shot. Wow. The sequence was filmed over two days with numerous body doubles filling in for Radcliffe whilst Radcliffe switched places with each of them. It is crazy because it's kind of like, you know how they they always suggest that you should have Mm. a a complex password with a capital letter and a number in it. It, it, (laughs) It's kind of like the acting equivalent of that because if you imagine all the different combinations that you have with seven of the same character, but being replaced by body doubles. 
And you, you then yeah. have to, for each take, move one of those body doubles around and be replaced by Radcliffe. Yeah. I, and then you have to remember which order you've done that in and layer them all up. Like, I do a little bit of layering mm. with photos, and that's tricky enough, and I'm normally yeah. only dealing with one or two layers. But to have to do mm. seven layers and re- replace each double with the genuine Radcliffe is, is yeah, it's impressive. Yeah. And, uh, the CGI is quite good in that scene. Yeah. If anything, it, is, it works. I think it works yeah. really well. I, I like it. I, it's, it is complex because there's camera movement there as well, isn't there? It's not like it's not yeah, like a, a locked off it's shot. A, it's a panning yeah. shot, isn't it? It's a it's a full circle. The camera moves. I think the camera is in a static place, but it moves yeah. full circle around the scene, yeah. doesn't it? So yeah. It's really clever. Uh, I like Good that shot. Um, the last fact um, was one that was leaked to me by a friend of ours, Henry. He said that um, the wizards have the toilets. You know how they go into the ministry? And oh all yeah. That? Um, wizards only have toilets uh, in recent years in the wizarding world. They were originally Muggle concepts, um, and they had to start using toilets so that they could tr- the Wizarding World could try and appear more normal to Muggles. And apparently, before toilets, wizards dealt with their business by simply urinating or defecating, and then using magic to remove the evidence. <laughs> <laughs> apparently, that was from rolling us oh, off. <laughs> well, that's that's good to know. They were they were hygienic. And there's the bit where they go down the toilets into the Ministry, and Ron says, "It's bloody disgusting." <laughs> <laughs> which I really like. Uh, so yeah, that was my facts, James. They're, they're good facts. <clears throat> I enjoyed. Um, you got to do the uh, jingle. So do you want to do the shit merchandise yep. jingle? It's only fair. Uh, it's the shit merchandise competition of the week. Right. I'll go yep. first then. I am going to put this on Twitter. I've got a snapshot of it. I discovered this on my uh, walk around HMV only last week. It is a Harry Potter egg cup and toast cutter. Brilliant. <laughs> you can cut your toast into the shape of lightning bolts and you have a little, what I can only describe as a Harry Potter sort of body with a scarf and a Gryffindor outfit oh. that your egg sits okay. in. And then you have some little glasses and a scar that go on the top of your egg. Oh, that's horrifying. <laughs> I know. Uh, so just so you know, everybody, it is £8.99 and it is available right now at all good HMVs. Brilliant. Well, I think I sent you a picture of my, my you one. You did, and I didn't want to mention it on the podcast because, my God, it's it, horrible. What is, what is your obsession with elves, by the way? Well, I, I just like Dobby because he's a master liar in, in, in these films. And, and uh, <laughs> last week we, we'd mounted Dobby's head on the wall like some sort of game. Uh, that did, had yeah. been hunted. This week we have a Dobby plush toy that's like, a, it's an official um, sort of bit of merchandise. Yeah, it's it's awful, from it? the Harry Potter shop. And I guess if you like Dobby, it's kind of cute. It's a bit odd, oddly proportioned. It looks like it? someone skinned Yoda. Like, and Jesus <laughs> Christ, you know how much it is? It's 30, it's 30 quid. quid. So your, your merchandise is definitely a better value. Um, James, it's 30 quid. What does it do? <laughs> oh, uh, product. It says, take home your own plush version of Dobby, the lovable, lovable house elf first seen in Harry Potter, the Chamber of Secrets. Uh, this plush version of Dobby is highly detailed. Too right, it is. Oh, God. His eyes are staring into my soul. Um, <laughs> do you know what this does for me, James? This makes me realise that we're giving away a good, what, hour, hour and a half each week for free yeah. about Potter. These lot, they're giving away plush toys for 30 quid. This, 
if anything, you want to get behind this podcast because we're giving it you Absolutely. For free. And this, this plush toy is 40 centimetres tall. Jesus, that's not even that big. That's about as big as my desk. I, yeah, I mean, it depends on how tall well, you are. Off. I mean, like, to me, that's that's like a friend. I could have a friend <laughs> live with me for, for 30 quid. This is great. And I don't have to feed it. It's wonderful. You don't want a skin deodorant as a friend. That's weird. <laughs> it's exclusive to the platform and nine and three quarters <sighs> store, which is, it is great. You know, I'm going to be looking along that website a lot in the next week for next week's episode. <laughs> <laughs> Someone reviewed it as the best toy in the world. Oh, that's obviously someone that really likes it. I'm not going to shit on their parade no. if they if they like it. That's that's great. You know, if you're a Harry Potter fan, um, I've put here. It says Dobby is free on the notes, <laughs> and then it says I received my package and it was beautifully wrapped. What do you want that free? Wasn't he? he was on. He was in FedEx. No, read further. Beautifully wrapped, like in the movie. When was Dobby well, wrapped? I don't know, but he's been shipped all the way to Japan, James. I'd be careful shipping a house elf to Japan. They might eat Can we, it. We get the option to report some of these as inappropriate. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's Aww. great. So you can you can own Aww. your own house elf, um, which kind of defeats yeah. the point of the message of the movie, right? Because it's meant to be free. He's meant to be, yeah, he's he, meant to he, be you know, in charge of his yeah. destiny. And you're... You, Everyone can have yeah. a dobby. So... And he's, he comes when he wants to, but he can't anymore because he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> I want to buy one so we can bury him in the dunes. <laughs> Should we do that as our last episode? We buy a plush dog. If anyone wants to donate me and James a Dobby, because I don't really want to put my hand in my pocket, if I'm honest, we will take him to the beach and bury him. <laughs> and then we'll wait for someone to dig him up. We'll get a little plaque. This is really sick, but I'm up for this. We should get a little stone that says Dobby is a free elf and stick it oh. in there and see if anyone like digs it oh, up. Oh, that'd be great. So, until next week, James. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks, bye. Bye. bye.